How many of you, let me ask, are you ready? How many of you are ready to study God's word today? Amen. Okay, so go ahead and get your Bible. Uh, as we move forward together as a church, today we are going to talk about one of the most important parts of our mission, which is called the Great Commission. And so uh, as you get your Bible, or if you didn't bring one in a hard copy, you probably have a phone or an electronic device that you can use. So go ahead and get that ready. I'm not going to tell you what yet. So just hold on, and in a few minutes, I'll tell you what passage to look up. But a number of years ago, there was a young man awaiting his death sentence in a prison, in a, uh, the state penitentiary in Columbus, Ohio, in the United States. And in America, in every state, there is one person who can grant a pardon. That when someone has been convicted of a crime, there is, is one person who can erase a death sentence. There is one person in a state who has the power to set any convict free, and that one person is the governor of the state. And so in Ohio, they had a governor at that point who was a Christian man, Governor Nash. And Governor Nash decided that he was going to go to prison on the day that this young man was sentenced to be uh, electrocuted. And so he took his Bible with him to go and share the love of Jesus with this young man. Again, he's not the one who sentenced him, but he knew the love of Jesus, and he wanted to share that. And so he uh, went to meet with this young convict who was guilty of first-degree murder just hours from his appointment with the electric chair. And so as he walked down the prison corridor that day. He wore his suit because he was coming from all the business of the day, and he had his Bible under his arm. And he stopped in front of the prison bars where this convict was sitting. And he looked and asked for permission to come in. And, and this convict looked up, assuming that it was some minister or chaplain. He said, get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. And the governor realized, well, there's probably mis some misunderstanding. He, he, he doesn't understand. And so he stood patiently waiting for an invitation to come in. And again, the convict said, get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. And so he, he did exactly what he had been told. And he turned around and with his head hung low, he walked back down the hallway out of the prison. Meanwhile, there was a guard who had been standing watch and saw this whole interaction take place. And, and he, after the governor was out of sight, he said, you fool, don't you know who that was? And he said, some preacher, I guess. And the prison guard said, no, that was the governor of this state, the only one who has the power to set you free. And you just sent him away. And the young man died that day, guilty not only of murder, but also of sending his only hope for freedom away. And it's heartbreaking when people do the same thing with Jesus, isn't it? That he is the only source of freedom, the only one who can rescue us from death. Here's one of the, the most beautiful verses in the Bible. We're going to put it on the screen so that we can read it out loud together. Would you, would you help me out? Let's read together. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, 
He, the Lord, is patient. All together, out loud, here we go. He, the Lord, is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Isn't that beautiful? That, that, that God's desire is that everyone, everyone would receive his love and his grace and that we would confess our sins and receive him as our father and our king. But here's what I found to be true about many skeptics, people who don't believe in Jesus, is that many times, not always, but many times, they are people who have never had a personal encounter with Jesus. That many times people's thoughts about Jesus have been shaped by, by maybe what they see on TV, on the news, on movies, on the internet, maybe a poofy-haired evangelist on TV begging for money, maybe a, a family member who claims to be a Christian but is actually kind of mean and critical and judgmental of everyone, but, but how might things change if people were to experience this kind of God that the Bible actually talks about? He who is patient and loving, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to salvation. And so today we are going to study John chapter 1, beginning in verse 43. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, I think we're going to see that many of us fall into one of two categories today. That, that many of us are believers, and some of us here in this room today, or those watching us on the live stream online right now, are maybe skeptics. And, and the story that we are going to see today has both. That one guy is a believer, and his name is Philip, and the other guy is a skeptic, and his name is Nathaniel, and as we read through this story, I would love it if you could see who do you identify with most in this story, Philip or Nathaniel? And so let's begin reading in John chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? <laughs> Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel and Jesus said, you think that's a big deal? Check this out. Jesus says, you believe me because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? Oh, you will see greater things than that. Now, before we dig into this story, let's take just a minute to pray and invite you, Father. We invite you, our Father God, 
as we get into the story, to open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to receive what you have for us in your word, that we might be changed and shaped by scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, And so in this story, we meet two guys. And the first we meet is Philip. So let's go back to verse 43. And Philip meets Jesus, and Jesus gives to him an invitation. Jesus says to Philip two words. What are they, everybody? Follow me. Follow me. And when Philip made the decision to follow Jesus, that is the moment that everything changed in his life. Now, I don't know about for you, but for me, I would say that's the moment that things changed in my life too. The moment that I decided to follow Jesus. When I received his invitation and became his child, and listen, in all the years that I followed Jesus. That doesn't mean that I've been perfect. It doesn't mean that I have never messed up because I have. There have been times when I've drifted away. But when I look at where I am today and what God has done in my life and how he has changed my heart and my perspective and my attitude and the love that I have that I didn't used to have, I can say beyond the shadow of any doubt today, I don't know where I would be today if it had not been for the love of Jesus when I received his invitation to follow me. And I wonder how many of you today would say that that's the turning point in your life. That is the time when everything changed in your life. And even though it hasn't been perfect and there are times that you've messed up, how many of you would clap today and say, I would say that Jesus is the life changer. Jesus is the one who has transformed me. Has that been your experience? Has that been your experience? Because if so, then we need to see what happened next for Philip. Because in verse 45, after Philip received this invitation, once he became a Christian, then Philip did something. Philip went and found Nathanael and said to him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and the one that the prophets talked about. It is Jesus of Nazareth. So notice that when Philip did, became a Christian, he did two things. Number one, he went and found his friend and engaged in a conversation. About the weather? No. About football or hockey? No. Not that any of those are bad subjects. But he went and engaged in a conversation with his friend about Jesus. And he told Nathaniel, listen, remember back when we talked about what the prophecies were really about? You know, when we were growing up and we looked at the mess in the world and how everything seems to be just problem after problem and people are fighting and everything seems to be going wrong in the world. And remember how we wondered back in the day, what would it be like if we could find an answer, if we could find peace in our hearts? What, if, what would the world be like if we could find what the prophecies were really about? Nathaniel? I have found the answer, and it's Jesus. And I bet many of you here today, you can relate to Philip. 
that you have gone and done the same thing. You've tried to share Christ with someone you love. You've told them about Jesus. Maybe you've invited them to church. And I bet I know how it has gone every time you've done that, okay? Because this happens all the time. Whenever I tell anybody about Jesus, immediately they fall on their knees and say, thank you, I am a rotten sinner and I am so glad that today is my day of salvation. Is that what happens to you too? Okay, maybe not. For most people, if they're polite, now if they're not trying to be polite, they might say all kinds of things to you, but if they're, if they're trying to be polite, many times what someone will say is something like this. Well, I'm glad that that Jesus thing works for you, but it's not really for me. Does that sound familiar? Guess what? That's exactly what Nathan says in this story. Look at the next verse. Verse 45. So he went and he found Nathanael. He said, we have found the prophet. Nathanael then responds, not with optimism, not with a receptive response. He responds with sarcasm accompanied by a side of skepticism. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Now, what you have to understand in this question is that this is not really a sincere question. When you understand uh, the, the Middle East in that day, you know that a Judean, someone from the big city, looked at someone from Galilee where Nazareth was. Nazareth was in a podunk area called Galilee. It was redneck territory. Now, I don't know if that translates to Canadian Queen's English. Uh, are, are there any rednecks in the house today? Say, so that's me, okay. And uh, I don't know how that translates into French. What's the French word for redneck? I don't, I don't know. But, uh, but, but so, so when he said that question, he was saying, man, you... That is just a kind of place that nothing good could come from. Now, remember that the New Testament was not written in English. That the New Testament was predominantly written in a language called Greek, right? And so what you hold in your hand is an English group's attempt to translate the original Greek into something that you and I can understand reading in English or in French. And so, in English, the word that the translators chose is, can anything good, everybody say good. Can anything good come from there? The word there in Greek is agathos. And agathos does not necessarily always mean good versus evil or good as opposed to bad. So he's not suggesting that that maybe something is bad because it comes from Nazareth. The word agathos can often mean useful versus useless. In other words, can anything useful or beneficial come out of Nazareth? Now, all of a sudden, that question sounds very familiar, doesn't it? When we tell people about Jesus or invite people to church, that many times their response is exactly what Nathaniel said, is 
is there really anything useful? I mean, I know that, you know, going to the whole Wesleyan Celebration Center to worship God, that, that's great for you. But I don't think it's for me. It's not useful for my life. You know, that whole, that whole church and Jesus thing, is, I'm glad it's good for you. But I don't think it's really useful or necessary for my life. And so, one of the things that I'm really, really grateful for is to be privileged to serve as pastor at a church that has a history of reaching Nathaniels. Isn't, it, isn't that a great thing to be part of a church that has a history of reaching Nathaniels? Some of you, that's your story, isn't it? You were Nathaniel. You were a skeptic. And someone like Philip came along and told you about Jesus or invited you to church, and you said, you know, I don't really think that's for me. But somehow God began to speak into your life, and when you decided to follow Jesus, you were transformed. And so now the question is, when you have become a Philip, now how do you go out and help Nathaniels find Jesus who are in the place that you used to be. And you're like, yeah, Joel, that's what I want to know. How do we do that? Well, first of all, before we get into what happens next in this story, I think there's something for us to keep in mind here. And, and, and so just a thought here. Remember that you may be the only Jesus that some people ever see. Now, I don't mean to scare you, but this is a really powerful thought and kind of a scary thought that the only experience that some people will have with Jesus is what they see in you. So everything you do, the way you live your life, the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time, the way you treat people at work and at school, the, the things that you say about your church, the way you handle conflict, Everything you do has the potential to either draw people closer to Christ or push them further away from Christ. Romans 14 verse 13 says, Christians, whatever you do, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. I know of one lady who was struggling in her marriage. She was a Christian and her husband was not. And she would do everything she could to try to convince him that he needed Jesus. She would invite him to church. She would tell him about the Bible, but he wanted nothing to do with it. And then one day they got into a big argument, you know, just one of those knock-down, drag-out fights, and, and, or knock-out, drag-down, I don't know which it is, but there, it was a bad fight. And so then one day they're in the middle of this argument, and they're hollering at each other, and, and she was saying, why can't you be more like me? And he said something profound. He said, why in the world would I want to be like you? And all of a sudden, she realized something in that moment. That she had accused him of rejecting Jesus. But in reality, maybe what he had been rejecting was the Jesus she claimed to reflect. That, that she talked a big game at church but it was not necessarily the way that she was living her life at home. 
And for those of us who are Christians here in the room today, shouldn't we be praying every day, Lord, show me, is there anything in my life that is giving people the wrong impression about Jesus? We should be praying that every day. Listen, be careful about your words. Be careful about the things that you post online. I, I, I thought I might get an amen there. Uh, so many Christians have lost influence in people's lives because of the things that they've written online, carelessly. Because everything we put out there is shaping people's impression of Jesus. And so here comes the best part of this story. What you have to love is how Philip responds to Nathaniel's skepticism. He doesn't get frustrated with Nathaniel and say, why can't you believe? He doesn't shake him and, and say, you know, you need to straighten up and get right with Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't argue with him and tell him, you're wrong and I'm right. Because arguing about religion seldom accomplishes anything. Isn't that true? Arguing about religion seldom accomplishes anything. Instead, Philip does the most simple and beautiful thing with his friend Nathaniel the skeptic. He gives him an invitation that's really only three words. Do you see it? Nathaniel asked, can anything good come from there, Nazareth? And Philip responds, three words. What are they? Come and see. Come and see for yourself, Nathaniel. Don't, don't take my word for it. <laughs> because at this point, Philip is a brand new Christian. He doesn't have it all figured out. And even people who've been Christians for 30 or 40 or 50 years don't necessarily always have it all figured out. Amen? And so, so but what he does say is, listen, don't just take your family's word for it, because maybe the people you have seen who you thought represented Christ have not always given you an accurate picture of who Jesus really is. Don't just take what you see on TV, their word for it. Don't just take the word of, of some documentary on the Discovery Channel around Easter that they show every year that, that has only one side of the perspective from scholars and not the other side of the perspective from scholars and all these things that begin to shape our perspective of who we think Jesus is. And Philip says, look, don't take everybody else's word for it. Nathaniel, come and see for yourself who Jesus is. And so guess what? Nathaniel accepts his invitation because in John 1:47, the very next verse, it says, then Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching. Don't you love it? He comes to see for himself. Nathaniel comes to this place just like people who come to church for the first time. You, you have to realize when people come to church for the first time, it is a scary, intimidating environment. In fact, uh, Tracy and I just invited someone to church who we met uh, out in the community. We were uh, at a store and we started talking to somebody, led to a great conversation, invited a young guy to church who was probably about 20 years old or so, and he asked an interesting question. He said, oh yeah, I've been to the Celebration Center at the Wesleyan Church a number of times for, you know, graduation, etc." And he, and he said, you know, I might come to church sometime and, and see you on a Sunday. He said, how much does it cost? What's the admission charge to come on Sunday? 
See, see, when people don't know, they need to know that they're welcome. They need to know that we're not here to get something from them. And so when he came to this place, Nathaniel had all of these questions. I'm sure he was nervous. He was uncomfortable. He didn't know exactly what to expect. I'm sure Nathaniel came that day with doubts and, and skepticism. In fact, he probably even had some criticism, but he came with an open mind and a hungry heart. And just like many who will accept your invitation to church, when Nathaniel decided to come and check out Jesus for himself, there he had a life-changing encounter with the creator of the universe. And all of a sudden, he realized in verse 49, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And so, folks, that's what this whole thing is about. Hey, by the way, anytime you want to clap, it's not for me. It's for God. And so when you start to clap and you feel like anybody's not following along, it's okay. Clap for God anyway because he's the life transformer. I know every once in a while it's kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say amen. I might be the only one. That's okay. Thank you, Shirley. By the way, those who are listening online right now on the YouTube live stream, I, I know because I've watched the service on live stream, and I know you can't hear what just happened. So those of you who are watching online, what happens is Shirley says, good preaching, pastor. And so now you know. Those of you who are watching online. And so in case you were wondering, that's what we're trying to do as a church. Each Sunday... We're trying to create a place, an experience. And every event that we put on, we're, we're trying to create a safe place where you can invite people to come and see for themselves who Jesus is, to experience God's love, to, to see how powerful the truth of God's word is, what power and insight the Bible has for our lives. And so not everybody will accept your invitation, but guess what? Some will. Some will. And so we want to equip you and make it easy to be a Philip. And so what we've done is we have something that we unveiled today that you got when you walked in. And if you're like me, you're going to keep them in your wallet. Uh, if uh, you have a purse, guys or girls, I'm not going to judge. If you have a purse, you might want to keep a whole stack of them in your purse. These, from this day forward, we are calling invitation cards, okay? Invitation cards. And so what this is, and, or let me tell you where it came from, first of all. This church has a history of invitation cards. This is not anything new, right? But many times what will happen is cards like this were to invite people to a special event. Well, guess what? Sunday morning is a special event. Amen? It's a special event. And so instead of just creating seasonal or special event invitations, we wanted to create every Sunday invitations. And so these cards, what happened was a few months ago when we were getting ready to move here and... Uh, I, was, I got a phone call from the office, and they said, what would you like on your business card, 
We're going to order some business cards for you so that you can hand people, you know, in the community when you're talking to people and invite people to church, etc. And I said, you know what? I, I'm not really a big fan of pastors having business cards that say the minister of the church, and here's why. Because I am no more a minister of the good news of Jesus than you are. Because we're all in this together. And so, so, so the fact is, we are the priesthood of believers. We are all ministers. And the job of, of your pastoral staff is to help equip you to be effective in your ministry. That's our job as pastors. And so what we're doing, this is, this is good stuff, isn't it? And so what we're doing is, is, uh, is we got everybody business cards. So if, you, if, you, if somebody comes and asks me for, hey, Joel, would you give me your business card? I'm like, here it is. This is it. And so what we did is on the back side, this is the front. On the back, it has blank space for you to be able to write a message to people. And so if I give it to somebody and, and they need to know my name, I can write down my name or my email address or whatever it is. And you can do the same thing. When you invite somebody to church or uh, you connect with somebody, you give uh, them one of these cards and you can write whatever you want on the back as you give it to them. In fact, I went to the hospital and visited somebody and uh, they were uh, asleep and I didn't want to wake them up because they were just out of surgery. And so I wrote a name on the back of the invitation card. And so I, I don't know how many I've given. I've had to reload my wallet a couple of times in the last two weeks. We've only had these in the office for two weeks, but we've been trying to keep it a secret because we wanted to unveil it today uh, for you. But I couldn't keep it a secret, so I've had them in my wallet. I've been handing them out all over town. And so, uh, so if you would like a stack of these, we have people who will be at the exit on the way out who can give you more. Everybody got one when you came in today. We will give you more on the way out, so just go ahead and uh, ask for those when you leave in just a few minutes, and we also will keep them in stock at the information center over by the cafe. And so uh, whenever you give out a bunch during the week and you need to reload, you just come here. We'll give you as many as you want. We run out, we'll buy more. We bought thousands, but if we run out in the next couple of weeks, which maybe we will, we will go ahead and buy more, okay? Okay, so will you be a Philip? It's okay, it's okay. Will, <laughs> I, I tell you, we're gonna have fun around here, aren't we? And so, uh, so will you be a Philip and invite people to come and see what God may do in their life? And here's the question though. I said there were two groups in the room today. And it's very likely that some of you today maybe are Nathaniels. And if you are a Nathaniel and you came here today for whatever reason, maybe you don't even know why you're here today, God knows. He brought you here so that you could know that he loves you. And as a Nathaniel, I want to give you an invitation. I want to ask you to do something. Two things, in fact. Vous vous uh, engagez à cela deux choses. <laughs> Two things. S'il vous plaît, et pour espagnol, pour favor. <laughs> Two things, if you're a Nathaniel. As a skeptic, I want to ask, will you make a commitment to come back four Sundays 
four Sundays, just to give yourself an opportunity to be in a position where God might speak to you. Because if in fact Jesus is who he says he is, then this question of following Jesus is the most important question of your life. Two things, will you make a commitment to come four Sundays before you give up on this whole Jesus thing? And number two, will you go to Alpha class? This fall, we start Alpha. Uh, late September, we're going to be rolling out all of our fall ministries. And so uh, if, if you would sign up, we don't have the signups open registration yet, but we're going to open that registration soon for the Alpha classes. And when we start promoting Alpha, will you sign up for that class on Tuesday nights? And what that is, Alpha is an opportunity to come and have your questions answered about Jesus, to engage in dialogue, to ask those questions that you're embarrassed about asking other people. You're afraid you might feel foolish if you were to ask questions about church or about Jesus or about the Bible or about church history or any of these things. What is the mission of, of the church? Alpha is the place for you. It's designed specifically for Nathaniel's. And so will you make a commitment to come four Sundays? And will you make a commitment to register this fall and come to be part of Alpha on Tuesday nights? Would you stand? So first of all, for the Nathaniels in the room today, Heavenly Father, as we pray to you, we pray that you would be speaking your love into their heart and that they would know how welcome they are in this place. That so much of what we do around here is specifically for doubters and skeptics to have a safe place to come and experience Jesus. For some who maybe even right now want to confess their sin and receive the forgiveness of Jesus. Just right now in your heart, just say, Father, I confess that I've done wrong and I need you. I suspect today that you are the answer that I have been looking for. I believe that Jesus died on the cross so that I could be forgiven for my sin. I receive your gift of new life. Come in and wipe my slate clean. Make me pure. Fill me with your spirit that I may live a life empowered to be an agent of reconciliation and peace in this broken world. And for everyone else in this room today, wherever we are on our spiritual journey, help us to be Phillips to somebody, to invite people, to, to, to every day get out of bed with the thought, with the prayer, Father, help me represent you well 
into this lost and broken world. God, right now, Father, we pray your anointing over these invitation cards. Your anointing, Father, that they would literally be seeds like the New Testament talks about that are planted in people's lives. And some of those cards will go out and be planted in hard soil. But some will find receptive soil. And for some of us in this room today, a card that we hand out will lead to someone finding salvation and new life and crossing from death into life, from darkness into light, from hell to heaven. So Father, now we pray your anointing over these ministers of the good news. All around this room, thousands who call Moncton Wesleyan their home church. Equip us as ministers. Anoint us to go out and bring your light to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so if this was your first time to ever pray that prayer and you gave your life to Christ, listen, take that connect card, go back to the starting point, and they would love to help you get connected. We, we'll give you a call this week. We'll help you find out how to get signed up for Alpha and all that good stuff, okay? And everybody else, here's your blessing. Remember to grab some cards on the way out. That you would go in the peace of God and that his light would so shine through you that every Nathaniel you meet might suspect that maybe Jesus is real because they see him in you. You are dismissed.